Welcome to the Legacy Blueprint Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Evangelisti, and this is the place where you create certainty, clarity, and confidence. We interview the best leaders in the industry today. With that said, grab a pen and a notepad, and let's get started. Evan Holiday, glad to have you on the show, brother. Thanks for being on. Yes, thank you so much for having me, Joe. How you doing? Fantastic, man. Fantastic. We were actually introduced by a mutual friend, a coach of ours, and you know, I know a little bit about your background. But let's just kick it off. Tell tell the folks that are listening, you know, a little bit about your background and and what you guys got going on today. Yeah, I love it. Um, well, excited to be on here. Uh, love what you've got going, Joe. Uh, and yes, glad Trevor got us connected. Uh, so a little bit about my background. So I, I really come, uh, I've, I've kind of got into the real estate world at a young age and found my passion combining both real estate development with that of, of impact investing and being able to, you know, not only do good for ourselves, but also do well for the community. Uh, and that's really at the core of what we do. Our company's Holiday Ventures. We, I kind of stumbled into this business. I, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I didn't know where I wanted to go. Uh, in college, but I found this developer and he was doing this $55 million student housing, mixed use development. And I was like, I don't know what he's doing over there, but that looks really cool. And I got to be a part of it. (laughs) And, you know, I, I I nudged my way in there and I, and I basically said, Hey, I want to add value to you. He's like, all right, bring people out to my groundbreaking. I brought a couple hundred people out. And because of that, uh, I was the first one he hired there. And I learned very quickly what I did not like. Uh, they had me doing a lot of property management, a lot of you know dealing directly with the residents. It was a great learning experience, but it also, I think some of the best tools in life that you can learn are what you don't like to do just as much as what you do like to do. And so I, I quickly learned, I was like, I want to do what he's doing. He's running the numbers. He's doing the relationships. He's putting the deal together. That sounds fun and sexy to me, not dealing directly with the residents. And so... Uh, so from that opportunity, I was able to parlay that into, uh, myself and a few others. We started a modular development company in college, which you and I talked a little bit about, uh, Mm -hmm. before, but it was kind of one of those things. We just, we didn't know what we didn't know. We were very naive and we just were like, Hey, you know, let's start a modular company. And, and one thing led to another and we got it off the ground and we got investors really interested in it. We won a few, uh, venture capital competitions, and from there, we're like, oh, wow, like maybe we do have something like we were just kind of doing it for a class at first. But then we're like, hey, this could actually be a real business. And so we took it out of college, um, working on trying to find partners, you know, trying to assemble the team to get this thing all, all off the ground. Again, not really knowing much of anything about development, just kind of learning as we went. And eventually I found a group who I wanted to partner with. And they're like, hey, how about you come work with us instead? And, you know, one thing led to another. I was like, you know what? These guys have combined 100 years experience. I could probably learn something from these guys. And so I went to work for them and they threw me in the deep end. They said, hey, sink or swim, you're on your own to source deals. You know, they really put me in a great position to learn because they, it was ultimately up to me. Uh, and it was not without, you know, I've, I've tried and failed a few times. You know, I, first couple of deals I looked at were actually down in like Rio Grande Valley in Texas. Uh, and we were basically putting together because of, I forgot to mention the modular company is really 
based on mixed income, affordable development, uh, because that got to my core of, I was like, you know, I love development. I love building brand new communities out of nothing, but I wanted to put something more to that. I wanted to put a mission and a why behind it. And so that's when we learned about tax credits and affordable housing and building out that like missing middle income housing that most developers are not even thinking about, don't care about. They're just trying to build the highest luxury housing they can to get the highest return on investment. But nobody's building for that middle income, that workforce of America. And that's what, it, that's what appealed to me. I was like, man, we can actually do a difference, like make a difference in these families' lives and make a great return for ourselves and our investors. I was like, that's, that's what I want to do. And so that snowballed into me working for this company. And I, I, I highly recommend for everybody listening, the, um, the, apprentice, the apprenticeship model is exactly how I learned and got into this business of doing $50 million deals is by working for somebody else and doing it with them, literally right alongside them to the point where I was eventually doing my own deals. Uh, and so worked with them, got to do all kinds of creative finance deals, uh, did over 1300 units. And then eventually I was like, I have a bigger calling. I need to really go out on my own and do something where we're not only building attainable housing, but we're creating a, a thought leadership platform around that and talking about what is affordable housing, why is it important? And then also combining that with how can we help better our residents, help better their lives and give them better opportunities while also giving our investors opportunities to make real impact with their capital and have fun doing it and get a great return. Um, so that's a little bit of what we're working on. We also have Monumental, the podcast, which will be on soon, uh, which I'm excited about. Uh, but yeah, man, just one day at a time, just trying to make impact in the world. I love it, brother. I love it. So many, so many things to touch on right there. I mean, I want to go back to, I'm glad you actually brought it up, but the apprenticeship piece, right? For so many of our young listeners, I think this is so impactful and it's missed more often than not because, you know, everybody wants to get rich quick scheme. Everybody wants to push button, you know, yeah. instant overnight success. Give me hundreds of thousands of dollars, wholesale fees, and just, you know, plunk money into my bank account. But so few people are willing to work for it. And what they're missing is that when you add value first, when you lead with value, and, and what you said to that developer was, let me know what it's going to take, right? You went to him, you know, hands out, you know, let me know, you, you know, heart in hand, right? And said, you know, tell me what, it's, what, what would add value to your development, right? And he said, bring me people, boom, you brought him people, right? That led to ultimately you getting the keys to come in there, allow you to work, allowing you to see the progress, allowing you to see the processes, allowing you to see the systems. And, and here you are a few short years later doing your own $55 million deals. How many folks, how many folks spend decades, decades because of their ego, right? Avoiding doing something like that because they think, well, I would never volunteer my time. I would never, you know, give somebody something for free. I'll learn it the hard way. And yeah. they spend two, 20, 30 years trying to figure it out and never get to the point that you're at at quite a young age. Right. Yeah. I think, I think that's a great point because I I've, you know, it was tough. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like the apprenticeship model, it's, it's great in the long run, but sometimes you, you look at it in the moment and you're like, Oh man, this sucks. Like yeah. I'm working for these guys. I'm making way less than my value. What I know my value is. 
and you're getting paid an education, which is, which is phenomenal in the long run. But in the short run, you're like, man, this sucks. Like I got all my buddies over here running their own business at 23, 25, 27 years old, and they're making a killing and they're making two, three times more than me. And that was tough to watch. Uh, And of course, you know, seeing social media, you got all these people posting like, Hey, look at this, you know, this business I started as e-commerce or this real estate business, you know, flipping houses and I'm doing a hundred deals a year. And here I am. I'm like, I did one, one deal in the last 12 months, you know, that's tough. Uh, But I think if you keep in perspective that, like you said, like you're, you're learning, you're putting in the work now. And you're coming out the other side with an education that nobody can ever take away from you. And even if you, all the wealth in the world is taken away from you, you still have your education. And so I came out of the other side, you know, and again, not, not being paid what I was worth. And that honestly helped me leave. Um, but having that education, I was immediately able to hit the ground running. And now, you know, the first deal we did with Holiday Ventures is 50 plus million dollar deal. Um, so that's, you know, if you learn the education on how to solve big problems, then you can go out and do that on your own. It's absolutely incredible. And the most, and the most valuable real estate folks is between your two ears, right? This six yep. inches between your two ears. So investing in that space early on. And, I, and it reminds me kind of like that, uh, Tony Robbins quote that most people way, way overestimate what they can do in a year or two, but then they way yeah. underestimate what they can do in a decade or two decades, you know, spend the time up front right? Learn, grow, and, and, and invest in your brain, get that knowledge, and then it'll, it'll perpetuate, um, yep. you know, how quick you can grow over that, that, that next, uh, you know, five, 10 years, whatever it looks like. So, so let's talk about now where we're at now. You've got the development. What, what, yeah, I'd love to talk about modular because I don't think a lot about enough people talk about modular. What kind of experiences have you had with it? Pros, cons? Is it really all it's cracked up to be? Are you getting the pricing you're looking for? <laughs> Great question. Uh, I've been a little removed from modular lately. Uh, we've been building everything stick built for the last mm. six years. Um, but you know, prior to that, I was, I was very deep in the modular world. Uh, I loved it. I just, you know, when you go working for somebody else, they, they kind of dictate how you do deals. Um, but to that degree, I think now that we have holiday ventures, we're up and running, we, we have our systems down, we're blown and going, I want to, that's kind of the next iteration for us is we're like, how can we solve affordable housing on a massive scale? And part of that is quicker construction times, lower construction costs. Um, so that's something, you know, let's circle back in a year and I'll definitely update you on that. But I, I apologize. I thought that was actively going already. I thought you guys were in that already. So, so let's talk about this $50 million deal that you're in. What does it look like? You know, what, what does the future hold and, and how far along are you guys? Yeah. So uh, we've got a few different deals we're working on now. Uh, one of them specifically is uh, probably a few months away from closing. This would be a, a $55 million deal. Uh, we're partnering with a nonprofit. They're rolling in the land. Uh, basically, they, they've, just, they've done substance abuse recovery services on this location for the last 60 plus years. And now it's a very prime location in Nashville, almost downtown. Mm. And... Uh, basically we've come to them and we're saying, Hey, we can, we can help build you a brand new facility, which is that one of their prime needs right now is basically expanding their services and being able to, to update their facilities because they've been using the same building for 60 plus years and all at the same time, unlock the value of their land. 
And so we're able to build them brand new facilities uh, for their nonprofit services, double their facility size, uh, and basically at the same time, build 195 units of uh, affordable workforce housing uh, right on the same plot of land. And then we actually have a phase two that we'll do one year later with another 281 units. So in total, we're looking at 470 plus units plus brand new nonprofit substance abuse recovery space. Uh, it's taken a lot of financing, um, creativity, uh, but we're, we're using all different types of um, public incentives from the city level to the, the county level, to the state level, to the federal level, um, and basically combining that into one ultimate you know, mixed use development. Um, so it's been a whole lot of fun. It's been a whole lot of learning, especially when you're dealing with urban projects, they're very specific um, to that site, right? Because you're, you're trying to cram on as much as you can on a very confined piece of property. Uh, and so, you know, we're having to talk about, you know, how to put um, transformer rooms, you know, and how to block those off and, and put those in the basement of the buildings and, you know, different conversations like that, that is so specific and so nuanced, um, but it's so exciting. I love it. So a lot of our listeners are really motivated by growth and contribution, right? I, I think that they, they are in alignment with you in that they want to do good things. They want to make a ton of money, uh, but they want to give back. So what would you say to somebody who's in the development space now, but wants to, you know, start to look into this affordable piece and try to make it either a component or an entire, you know, development site? Where would, where would you even begin? How do, how do you get educated on this? <laughs> Uh, great question. So I, I had asked that question myself. I was like, man, I, I want to learn more about, you know, I'm, I'm already in the industry, I, but I still want to learn more. And I looked around and I was like, there's really not a great place for education in this affordable development space. It's such a niche within development and within real estate. Nobody's really teaching this or, or doing a good job of teaching it. Uh, so about, uh, let's see, about six months ago, we decided we we're like, let's put together our own program and show people how exactly we do what we do at Holiday Ventures, how we do 50 plus million dollar deals and do good for the community while doing well for ourselves and our investors. So we created Affordable Development Mastery. Um, so if anybody's interested, that's just affordabledevelopmentmastery.com. Uh, but we basically have taken people from, you know, literally either getting started in development or, or having done development, um, but never having done that affordable piece teaching how to go through tax credits, how to go through politics, how to go through um, zoning, uh, you know, like similar to what you guys are doing on the self-storage side and development, like that entitlement piece is a big piece, but then combining that with how to do the tax credits, how to do the underwriting, how to apply for credits, how to get tax abatements so you don't have to pay property taxes for 10 to 20 years on your property. There's so many different ways to finance these deals and it takes a lot of work. There's way more work in this than, than most any other types of real estate. So that's why I always tell anybody before you ever get into this, I was like, you have to be passionate about this first <laughs> and foremost, because there's, a, there's honestly a lot of BS that you have to deal with. Um, just working through government, working through um, all kinds of regulatory rules. Um, so you have to be passionate about giving back and having that impact piece. So I'd say that's if you want to take like the active role, if you want to take a more passive role, there's ways that you can invest, you know, invest with us or invest with another affordable development group that is making a real impact um, and specifically looking for groups that you can tell that they actually care and they want to do good and they want to have lasting change. And it's a part of their mission. I think that's really important. 
I love it, man. I totally teed you up for that. I had no idea you had a coaching program. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's awesome, though. That's good stuff. So, so people um, who want to who want to get into this and they have the heart behind it, you know, let's just talk numbers for a second. And you know, we don't have to get specifics, but is there as much or equal? Would you say the amount of profitability? And you know, let's take a heart. Let's take heart out of it for a second, right? People aren't doing this as a charity. Right. They're also doing right. it for profit. Right? right. Are you building are you building one of these facilities or apartments or mixed use, whatever, you know, uh, development sites with the anticipation that you're going to make as much profit as a brand new apartment building? Yeah, this is the kind of the interesting thing about what we do is you you literally take everything you know about ROI, IRR, cash on cash all of that and throw it out the window because that is not how we do, you know, tax yeah. credit affordable developments. Basically, um, we, we don't have those returns because we don't have any capital in the deal. Okay. Uh, so you can't, you know, how do you calculate cash and cash or, or IRR if you don't have any equity? So basically in, in summary, the way these deals work is uh, the, the capital stack is typically 40% credits, tax credits. We take those credits, they're awarded to us by a state housing agency. Then we sell those credits for cash equity to a bank or syndicator or somebody that needs the credits. The banks are required to buy these credits. Mm -hmm. um, and then as part of that, so that covers about 40% of your project. 50% is covered by a loan that is just basically uh, 80 to 90% loan to value, but it's typically 50 to 60% loan to cost. So mm -hmm. that covers 50%. And then the last 10%, is basically either grants or tax abatements or different like local funding. Typically on the local level, you get that last 10% filled. And so you as the developer, the operator, the one putting the deal together, you actually do not, you'll, you'll put together the pre-development capital or you'll be responsible for that. Uh, that's typically one to $3 million. And then once you close and start construction, all that pre-dev capital is paid back. And then you are into the deal with none of your own money, uh, as long as you underwrite it well and you do a good deal, you should be in with none of your own money. The only equity would be the tax credit equity. And they actually don't want any cash flow. They're, this is why I'm saying it's the opposite of everything you know about investing. <laughs> it's like all they want are losses, depreciation, and the credits. So, you know, you won't get the same losses and depreciation benefit like you would on a normal real estate deal, but you get all the cash flow. And you use so who owns the, who owns the asset? Do you, the developer, own the asset, or does the affordable housing program own the asset? So you you and your tax credit equity investor are co-owners. You form a limited partnership that owns the deal. Tech, Go ahead. Technically, they own ninety nine point nine nine percent, and you own 001 percent. Uh, it's really a technicality for basically the tax credits are are divvied out based sure. on a percent ownership. So they want all the credits. So they get all that, but then you get, depending on the state, each state does it differently, but they want to reward you for taking the risk and, and also, um, you know, agreeing to restrictions on your income and rent levels. And so in return for doing that and taking on the risk and lowering your rents, they give you a pretty substantial developer fee, anywhere from 10 to 15%. So, um, so basically you get the developer fee and then you also get 90 to hundred percent of the cash flow. Um, because again, your investors don't want it. Yeah. Because they, they bought into the write off to begin with, right. They, right. they literally they, bought depreciation to begin with. They got the credits. So they're happy. Yeah. 
Wow, that's pretty incredible. So that, 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 that part's interesting to me. So when they bought that credit, they're actually buying equity plus the credit. I would think that yep. they would just buy the credit and they would be out of the deal. They gave you cash, they got the credit, they're, they're gone, but, but they stay in as equity. So you're, you're actually selling off equity along with the credit. Correct. But they, they really, the equity is just basically so that they can get the credit. So they can get right? the credit. I got to, to satisfy the IRS code, that basically they need to be partners in the deal to get the credits. Um, but really after year 10, credits are delivered every year annually in the same amount for 10 years. Mm. So after 10 years, they're out of the deal. Uh, or you can basically buy them out for a nominal amount. So <laughs> at that point, you will own 100% of the deal. Interesting. Super cool, man. Super cool. Yeah. Super interesting. What am I? What am I missing? What are the? What are the? What are the? The big? The big uh, potential pitfalls that, besides <laughs> it being super duper complicated and, you know, uh, politically, uh, I'm sure it's, it's probably it's like political fire. I'm sure you got to yeah. get, get right with the town. Got to get right with the mayor. You know, I mean, I, but I mean, around here, I mean, it's, uh, you know, affordable housing is ne- it's just not only just necessary. I mean. We have we have local and, and municipal and, and statewide ordinances that we pay into for affordable credits every time we build a house that's not affordable. Mm. So I mean it's necessary, right? It's a necessary thing. Yeah. Do you find it competitive? Is there a lot of people doing it? So yeah, I mean the the downsides, the risk of what we do, uh, one is politics and you know local community buy-in. You unfortunately the the type of development we do is probably the most community involvement intensive of any type of development because we usually have to ask for public buy-in on the financing side too. So, you know, a matter of getting rezoning, that's one thing, but then also getting rezoning and asking for help paying for it or, or deferring their own taxes that they would normally pay schools and, you know, whatever all their city needs out of, you're saying, Hey, I need you to defer that or, or not accept any taxes from us for 10 years and then that becomes a different conversation. So that's that's one piece is getting that political and local buy-in. Uh, and then on top of that, you're also the state agencies. You have to follow a bunch of different rules. You have to go through a rigorous process just to apply for and get the credits and the bonds. And also the, the bonds and the credits are becoming competitive. So mm. there's a lot more people getting in uh, too affordable and there's still a limited supply of the credits and the bonds. Um, so it's definitely not, you know, like, Hey, just come in and, and do this. It's a walk in the park. There's still a lot of, there's a, there's just so many moving parts. Like I had a guy, uh, he's, I think he's done, he worked for a big REIT and he did like a hundred thousand units. And I taught him how to do, we we're teaching him how to do affordable. And he's like, like, man, this is, this is like so much harder than anything I've ever done on any of the acquisition deals. I was like, yeah. I was like, well, that's good to hear. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what I was going to ask you. I mean, what, how do you target a market? How do you target a, how do you decide where you're going to go with this thing? I mean, you know, it's not like self-storage. I mean, we could like throw a dart at, at, a, at a map and pretty yeah. much, you know, buy something. I mean, how do you, how do you decipher where to start? Yeah. And this is what we talk about a lot in, in affordable development mastery is like, you start with, you know, the same things that you guys look at on self-storage or, or anybody looks at in real estate is like, where are the people moving? Uh, where's the income moving? Where are uh, the jobs moving? But then finally, the fourth piece that we look at that's different than anybody else is we look at where is the incentive for financing affordable housing. Mm. So like, for example, uh, I know that Austin, Texas is very pro-affordable development. 
Uh, I know from articles, I know from doing my research, like just, if you just Google Austin affordable housing, you can see that they do grants. They've set up special taxes that all the citizens pay, similar to what you were saying, they pay into a fund and then they dole out that fund to affordable developments. So that's funding that I could go after now. And I know that the city's done it before. So it's not like I'd be doing something new. Uh, I'd be doing something that's widely accepted and, and understood in that market. Um, so that's what I look for is areas that have high demand and have high income growth that basically have a huge differential between like the, the, the high end where incomes are versus like there are that working class that nobody or a very limited amount of developers are actually providing. Um, so I'm, you know, I'm looking at mainly our markets right now are Tennessee uh, and then we're starting to look into Texas and Florida right now. Um, so. Love it, man. So Evan, you're a visionary, you're a leader, you're a business owner, you've accomplished a ton of stuff over the last decade plus, you know, what keeps you going? What keeps you motivated? Is it books? Is it podcasts? Like where, where do you get your juice from? <laughs> I love it. Um, yeah, I, I think it's, I think it's being clear on who the best version of myself is and knowing that every day that I put in to get there, I'm one step closer to being a better version of myself. Uh, so that includes, you know, the vision board I have right on the other side of my computer, you know, staring at me every day. Um, I wake up every morning, I do the meditation. I have my vision board on my, you know, piece of paper along with the list of all my annual goals and, and my, my BHAG goals, my big hairy audacious goals. And that just reminds me, it's like, Hey, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm able to impact so many people and I'm, and I'm, uh, full of the ability to help a lot of people. And so I'd be doing myself and everybody else a disservice if I wasn't playing all out and being the best version of myself. Love it, brother. Man, that was, that was, that was a good answer. So, <laughs> uh, and, and, and listen, obviously you playing full out this, what you've designed, this is helping people. This is creating impact. This is making a difference. And to me that that's pretty cool. I think it's super interesting for a lot of our listeners who, you know, we talk about wholesale, we talk about land, we talk about single family flips, we talk about self-storage. This is the first time we talked about affordable. Um, I think it's a completely different, you know, uh, world for a lot of our listeners to just even learn about. Yeah. Um, but I think it's also really, really cool, like I said, for the impact piece, for the growth, for the contribution, for, you know, maybe thinking about something in a different level when you're talking about development, especially now the multifamily is so, you know, um, it's so popular, you know, and, and, and now, now it's like, well, if I can do a development and I can create the impact I want to create in my community, uh, why not do both? So uh, I hope uh, in the show notes, we'll have obviously ways to contact you and uh, ways to get involved in your mastery program as well. So I hope that our listeners that are, that are interested in something like this will touch base with you and, uh, you know, dive deep into uh, to your well of knowledge because uh, you're, you're making big changes, man. So I'm excited to have you on. Yeah. Thank you, Joe. I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, man. What did I forget to ask today? Did I, did I cover anything? Anything I missed? Uh, no, I think that's it. I think the only other thing is Joe is going to be on Monumental soon. Uh, so I'm excited about that episode, but dig into <laughs> Joe's story and Joe's yeah. impact. So we'll get there. We'll get there. Cool, brother. <laughs> well, I appreciate you being on the show today, man. And uh, we will connect soon. And uh, thanks for being on. Yeah, thank you, man. Yeah.